All right, welcome to the uh, Ocean Water Podcast, the voice for indigenous water rights. We'll talk about that in a little bit today. I have my good uh, friend Justin Spire on with us today. Justin and I have been friends for 13 years. Justin was a United States Marine from 1991 to 1995. He was a professional baseball player in the big leagues, Major League Baseball for 15 years, uh, 10 years in the big leagues, meaning that he played 10 full seasons full-time in Major League Baseball. He uh, had over 600 games pitched, uh, former Athletes in Action board member uh, for the West Coast, public speaker for the Angels, military, churches, youth groups. He's a father and a husband of two boys and uh, one of my best friends. So just an honor to have you on today, brother. How you doing today? I'm great, man. I'm doing good. And uh, excited to be on, excited to see you. It's great, man. It's great to have you on. We've been talking about this for a while. Um, so you've been retired for a while now. You packed a full life into a 15-year professional baseball career. And so when you're at home these days, where do you and uh, where do you like to go and what do you like to eat? You know how I do it, bro. I mean, I could go straight to the Prince or the Popper. I could go to a nice steak from Gulfstream, but don't kid me. I, uh, I could enjoy a chronic, chronic carne asada burrito better than anyone. So chronic is my go-to. I could eat there almost every day. Just give me a carne asada and we're good to go. It's true. We've been, we've been to that place many times, man, many times. So, so what are you doing these days, brother? What are you doing these days and how did you get into it? Well, I like how you use that word retired, but I'm going to use that, that term loosely because I always joke around saying I pitched with the game on the line in Yankee Stadium against Jeter and A-Rod and all those guys many a time. And I went through, through Marine Corps boot camp and uh, those things were tough. And I had my own personal, personal demons and personal things to overcome in my life. And they were all tough. But raising kids is the toughest thing, I'll tell you that. But it's, a, it's the biggest blessing. You know, it's the biggest blessing. But it requires the most patience. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really feel retired. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're working harder now, dude. I'm working harder now with less, bro. That's how we do it. The older we get, we do more with less now. You know what I mean? Less sleep, kids eat, wife eats, then I eat. And uh, we do more with less, but it's a good thing because we're, uh, especially right now, we're, we're trying to live on our basic needs instead of our wants, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's been an interesting season, man. But it's been awesome. I know you're loving life with uh, Brittany and Chase and Brock and life's good. And it's awesome, man. So, so if um, if current Justin could could say something to twenty year old Justin, what might he say, brother? Oh man, I I still I still I still tell myself this to the day because I'm so task oriented and I'm so destination oriented person. I like to get things done. I'm Type A by nature. Um, I would have said enjoy the journey and not the destination. And so, like, even in the middle of this pandemic, like, what I would say is enjoy what you have and be grateful for what you have, um, because when it all comes back to you, you'll have a deeper sense of humility and gratitude. Um, 
you know, I wish I would have enjoyed my baseball career more. I was so focused on, you know, that next outing, the next challenge, the next hill to climb, the next team to beat. And, you know, I, I wish I had enjoyed myself or took some time to really stop and, and stay in the present moment instead of future trip a little bit on the next thing. And I even tell myself to the day, to, uh, even right now, like, hey, enjoy your kids right now. They're going to be in school before you know it. Um, you know, I have a lot of interest besides just my family. I love my kids and I love my wife and I love my life, but I have so many other interests that are on hold right now. So I tried a little, I tried not to focus too much on the things that um, I can't control right now. Just really stay in the moment and um, not focus on the destination so much. So that's what I would tell younger Justin is just live each day and enjoy what you got in front of you. Now, those are good words, man. I mean, those are wise words. No matter if you're, if you're 10, 20, 30, 40, that'll play right across the board, man. I mean, I think we, there's the tension between, you know, being driven and, and then just enjoying your day and enjoying your life. Like it's Thursday right now and we're just trying to enjoy Thursday and having a nice chat. And there's just a lot, there's a lot of legs to what you're saying there. Um, so, you know, you, you play, you, you spend, um, you know, to, to provide a little bit of context, it's about, it's about 1% of athletes that actually ever make it into Major League Baseball. And then there's about 1% of that 1% of guys that pitch that actually pitch 600 innings and actually play 10 full years in Major League Baseball. So it's like the 1%, 1%. I've known you a really long time. You've always been really focused. You've applied that, that same focus now to, to – um, to Brittany and your family and, and, um, and Chase and Brock. And it's been a wonderful thing to see as your friend. So my question is, you know, what are you, what are you curious about right now? Like, what are you interested in? You know, all that drive and all that motivation and all of that uh, passion that you have, it doesn't go away. It just gets rechanneled. So, so what are you, you know, what are you interested in now, man? Oh man. So many things. I'll get to the question really quick to inspire some of the kids that I hope are watching this is I was drafted in the 56th round. And the crazy thing about it is I signed for no money and I wasn't that good in high school or college. And I had a dream and a passion and a belief that I could get to the big leagues. And, you know, I went through seven different levels of the minor leagues to get to the major leagues and ended up sticking there. And, what I would say is God does big things in small people. And I was that small person with a dream. So I would inspire the, I would just inspire <laughs> the youth that may watch this and say, Hey, if you have a dream and right now is a time to be dreaming, it's not a time to give up hope right now is a time to cultivate dreams. And, and when things start to go, which hopefully soon is, is a time to attack your dream. So I'm a living proof that dreams can come true and, 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 and good things can happen. So um, I just, I would encourage all your young viewers not to give up on their dreams that I'm a living proof of that. What am I curious about now? I'll flip on that and say, number one, I'm a people person. I'm a social person. Um, I don't like Zoom. I don't like FaceTime. I like meeting with people in person. Yeah. Um, I don't like the fact that my kids are learning um, virtually right now. I think there's a big, I think there's a, there's a big disconnection with that. You can't, 
can't um, you can't know social skills and and team skills from a distance. So my biggest concern is for the youth of our country on coming out of this thing, um, and and making sure that they, yeah, are equipped techno techn techn technically, but also don't lose their social drives and their team drives and their um, ability to look someone in the face and shake their hand and you know that's what i'm concerned with through through this pandemic but it was also a concern before this happened i think that i hope that we don't get lazy and and lose those social interactions because of this that's my concern mm. yeah, that's good man um so what's something that in the last 12 months you feel like you have failed at oh i've failed at a lot of things but you know, it's good when I do, um, I fail at being a father. I lose my patience with my kids. Um, I lose my patience with my wife sometimes. And the good thing about it is we have a very forgiving family and a very, I'm teaching my kids forgiveness and learning that, hey, you don't have to be perfect, which is a good thing because I think that through our failures and um, lack of patience and self-centeredness or sin, whatever you want to call it, um, we learn to be more um, others incorporated and team incorporated. So we have a very forgiving family, which I hope will play out with our my boys in knowing, hey, I could go full steam ahead and I'm not worried about if I'm gonna fall and scrape my knee because you know, I have a mom and dad that love me, that forgive me, that that are gonna empower me to continue to pursue, allow me to pursue my dreams. So, you know, failure for me is, is, is a great measuring stick of where you're at, but it's also, you know, I've, I've lost my patience. Um, yeah, I mean, I fail all the time daily, you know, but, you know, I'm continuing, I get up every day trying to be better, you know, as a husband and a father. So, you know, that's what keeps me driving. And, you know, I'm, I'm the second I think that I'm at the finish line is, is, a, where, is where I get in trouble, so trying to stay and enjoy the journey and stay in the present moment, continue to try to get better in those aspects right now. Uh, so good, man. I think part of our development is like, just figure out you know, where we've fallen short and, um, and then trying to learn from that, trying to, trying to better ourselves. You were always really good in your, in your career about kind of quick down, quick up. You'd be able to shake off, uh, shake off mistakes quickly. You had to for, for preservation of being able to, to pitch as long as you did. In fact, I never forget the time you took me to Angel Stadium. You took me out on the took me out on the mound, and you're like, "Hey, man, I want you to show me. I want to show you where I work." And you walked me out to the mound, uh, and then I think it was three days later, I got to see you uh, strike out the side. So I saw an empty stadium where you got to work, and then a couple days later, I got to see. I actually saw you get a standing ovation. You struck out the side. That was pretty cool. So it's been nice to see not just success on the mound for you, but, but success at home, which is hard, which is kind of what we've already talked about. You know, it's really good. Um, so I want to hang a bit of a right here and want to kind of go into the world of water. Kind of what's your, what's sort of your understanding of, of the world of water these days? There's a problem with water. <laughs> so I say that, I said that intentionally, hopefully to get a response because most of us Americans don't 
you know, if we live in a bubble, we don't really think there's a problem with our water. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, our homeless, our homeless here, you know, God bless them. We, you know, they're not going to miss a meal and they're going to have water because we have a lot of great organizations that supply for the poorest of the poor here in this country. So, but my understanding of the water in, you know, other third world countries is devastating. You know what I mean? You know, I'm very grateful when my kids have food and have clean water here because I know that there's kids that have major issues in all, all across the globe um, with water. So it's a huge problem. Um, and there's a, there's a great solution, you know, I mean, you're, you're part of the great solution, you know, and, uh, I do work in India with, uh, a buddy of mine, Suresh, Harvest India. They do great work there in water wells and that's great. And, uh, you're doing great work at turning, you know, salt water into drinking water. It's huge. It's huge to be able to accomplish both those, both those things, you know, inland and on the coast. So, you know, it, it takes, it takes both. It's, it's a hybrid approach. It's not one or the other, it's both. So, um, I'm glad to know you and I'm glad that you're, you know, tackling this huge epidemic. That's the true pandemic in my, in my opinion, it's a true pandemic of people that are suffering from lack of water more than anything else, you know? Yeah. Glo globally kind of the landscape is, you know, r roughly one in nine, uh, have an, have an access and quality problem. And kind of what that looks like and how it manifests itself is there's sort of these, what I call the pockets of forgotten people. And, a, and the pockets of forgotten people look very much like the work we've done in El Salvador, where take, for example, Palmercito, where we've been for the last six years, we've sent over 120 people there on 13 different trips. We've done 13 different feedback loops of learning and what we found was that there were 38 families in this area and that's about uh, 250 to 300 people and what we found was that they didn't have uh, access or quality mm -hmm. so through our friendship and through our relationship we came alongside them and we've installed a system that now turns uh, 360 gallons a day of of ocean water into drinking water using solar and a lot of people when i do this podcast they think that this this photo behind me is sort of a gimmicky photo like i i surf and it's a good wave and actually this is a very personal photo not only is this a picture of a wave right in front of where our water system is but this is a picture of some papo who helps lead ocean water in palmercito so right now during the this pandemic the guy on this wave here that I surfed with just a few months ago before they went on lockdown, him and his family have personally been distributing water to 38 families in, in Palmercito and also providing for them food. And, you know, that, that's really important because I think a lot of times we, we sort of lose sight of, of how we can help. And really, we don't... <clears throat> We don't really need to help the entire world if we'll just if we'll just get excited about helping a few people a lot of beautiful things can can come out of that oh big time what i love about your story is god's done something really big and came from a very small dream you know what i mean actually a really big dream but it was just an idea of riding your bike across the united states and then 
a couple of buddies deciding like, hey, let's let's support Ryan in riding his bike. And then he rides across the U.S. and then he rides, you know, and then you ride on into Mexico. And then, I mean, what, what are the stats on that? You you how many countries did you ride? And then how many people ended up getting water just from that one thing? Yeah, well, it goes back to when, when we became friends and, and I had just finished up grad school. I had finished my master's degree and, and I, had, I had $700 in my, in my checking account. I sold all of my stuff. I sold my house. I sold everything. Uh, I liquidated everything and I decided that I was going to ride my bike across uh, Canada with my friend. And that is how I started learning about water. I got a phone call from a friend of mine. He said, hey, man, do you, you need to raise money for this NGO. I'm like, what are you even talking about? He's like, yeah, they're doing this water stuff. I got very interested. Uh, it really, that phone call really opened my eyes. And then, then I rode across the U.S. and then I rode through Mexico. I ended up riding for a year and I rode through 10 countries all the way down into South America and to Colombia. And then I relocated to San Diego. And that's when I started my, my doctorate in public health. But but going back to when it started, yeah, it just started with, I, I was, I had, I was coming, coming out of a broken season. You know, I had gone through a divorce. And I had gone on this bike ride. And I think sometimes God does his best stuff when we're just kind of at the end of ourselves, you know, and we don't have anything left. Maybe we might just have a bicycle or, or, a, or a job or, or, or this idea. And sometimes when we're, when we're finally at the end of our rope, you know, fresh breath can come into us and God can start to kind of do something new in us. That was certainly my story. And that's been my journey now for 10 years, really feeling like this is a kind of a lifelong commitment now to, to helping people source their water from the ocean. You know, we don't have a water problem in the world. We have a water access issue. We have plenty of water. It's just all out in the ocean. So we're, we're really excited now at, at Ocean Water to to find the forgotten, to find those forgotten people, those 20 families, those 30 families, those, those 40 families, and come alongside them and, and help them get their water from the ocean. And at the same time, we invite them into God's family. We get to invite them into a, into a local church. Now, that church looks a little bit different here in the United States. That church has walls, and it has a piece of land, and it has a parking lot. It looks very different when you get into third world. It looks very much like back in the Old Testament when people would have a meal and they would talk about the teachings of Jesus and they would pray for each other. So that's kind of the space that, that's kind of the space that we're in and we're really excited because there's 108 countries in the world that have uh, direct access to the coastline and thousands of those, of those beaches don't have churches. So that's, that's how we pray for God, for God to use us. That's what I love about your model is empowering, right? Because we're not going to go into these countries and change their culture, change their traditions, or change them. I mean, I love how you said, hey, we're going to come in, soup, soul, salvation. We're going to give you water for free, and we're going to tell you about one guy, Jesus. You know what I mean? And we're going to love on you, and then we're going to leave, and we're going to empower you to continue with what you're doing. And what I really want the viewers to know is you have a lot of success stories leading into what you're doing now and you know you're the book that you wrote and the money that you raised and the people that you infect uh affected for water was before even where you before el salvador there was other people you were affecting for good 
I mean, can you talk to talk to about some of that? Like, will you you rode your bike for how long? How many countries? How much did you raise? And how many people you got water to was a hundred thousand, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. So the first the first part of it, we I, I rode my bicycle ten thousand miles through ten countries, and I wrote a book about that's on Amazon. It's called Ride for Water. Um, I completed a doctorate in public health. We helped about a hundred thousand people get access to clean water using using bucket systems, point of use systems, very important systems. And then I have committed the rest of my life now to pivoting from bucket systems to ocean-based systems. And so to me, it's all the same stuff. We're just trying to love people. And a lot of people in the world talk about problems, but really, you know, a lot of problems aren't, aren't problems. You know, a lot of problems are just caused by unrealistic expectations. But let me tell you what is a problem. People that don't have water is a problem. People that don't have food is a problem. People that don't have housing is a problem. Mm -hmm. And so those are, those are three really uh, solvable problems. And, uh, and we're just, you know, every, every good thing that's happened in my life has happened through, through a conversation, kind of like we're having today. And that's one of the reasons I'm so committed to having these conversations in, in the right time when they pop up is because everything good in my life's happened through a conversation. A friend will call me or someone will text me or I'll have, uh, I'll meet with someone and, and then I'll go back and I'll think about what that person said and then I'll reflect on it. And then I'll want to be a different person. That's just kind of the way that I'm wired. So my hope is that through these conversations and, and through these times that we spend together that, that hearts change and, you know, one person changes and another changes. And then that's how, that's how great things happen. So it's just, it's been really fun to, yeah. Well, that's what I love. And that's what I really want to impress upon your viewers is this has not just happened overnight. This has been, you know, 13, this has been a lot of years in the process of this great development that's happening with ocean water. And there's a huge backstory with all of it. And there's tons of conversations and ideas that are percolating to this situation right now that you're that you're doing which is mind-blowing it's unbelievable it's awesome and so i'm excited about it um it gives me great hope you know if we could change one life two lives i mean get people what what we take for granted it's a beautiful thing to take the blinders off so you know and and look outside you know our bubble in the united states and uh so you know that's that's what I always say. I don't travel much because I travel so much for baseball. And I say yeah. my, my, my time and my talents stay here in Orange County, but my treasure will go. <laughs> yeah, you know, I... I uh... my, tre my treasure may travel, but yours truly will uh, try to impact the, uh, the, the, the people closest to me. So... You, know, you, don't, you don't travel much these days, but you've put, you've put more miles on an airplane than than most people would do in five lifetimes. So you get a pass, bro. Uh, but yeah, I want to, I want to thank you for, for taking time to, to chat today and talk today. And, and um, you, you're a very, very, very interesting guy. You wear a lot of hats. Um, you're good at a lot of things. And so just promise me that at some point in the future, we'll do something totally different. You're one of the funniest people I know you and Drew Tevis. <laughs> <laughs> and um so you know we'll, we'll do this again man and and just thank you so much brother for for um just for taking some time out today to do this dude so, oh it's my pleasure dude i love what you're doing i love who you got who you got 
doing it with. And uh, I love the people that are inspired to go out with you to do what you're doing. So yeah, man, always there for you and, and, and your organization and well, our organization, right? So yeah, yeah. You, I love, I love the, I love the team thing that we got going on. And um, I love the, the teammates that you've put together. You know what I mean? That's, that's really the word. I mean, what we basically spent 10 years now uh, putting a team together, putting a strategy together learning lessons, the important lessons of how to, of how to do it right, how to scale. And so I think in the next 10 years now, we're going to see all of the hard work and the team we've put together really help a lot of people. So it's just a really, really exciting time, man. It'll be fun. I love it, man. Love it. Are there any, any last words? Any last words we need to hear from you, dude? Uh, shave that mustache, bro. <laughs> Never. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. well, Justin, thank you so much for your time, brother. And uh, we'll do this again. All right. Love you, man. Yeah, I love you, bro. Thanks so much. Yeah.